Check this out. This, this is so cool. This is from Psalms 33, verses 18 and 19. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. How cool is that? This is God's word here. He's saying his eye is on those who fear him and on those who hope in his steadfast love. How, how neat is it to think that God's watching you because you put your hope in his steadfast love or because you just fear him as God and, and the, the righteous judge of all as we all should, you know? How neat is that? It doesn't require really anything special or unusual at all. Put your hope in Jesus. Fear the Lord your God He's got his eye on you, and he's going to look out for you and take care of you. That's, that's cool. Let's open with uh, one more word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for the opportunity to get together with people that love Jesus. Lord, I love being around people that love Jesus, and I thank you for the opportunity to, to share a little of your word with them. And I just ask that you would help me to treat your word correctly, Lord, with all of the reverence and respect that it is due. And um, may... Everything that is said here this morning be of you and, and for you and through you, Lord. Um, and anything that is spoken by me this morning that is not in agreement with your word, Lord, I pray that you would just purge it from people's hearts, enlighten them so that they can just ignore that and throw that away. And uh, we can just cling to all that is good here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to start this morning <clears throat> by telling you guys a story. I love stories. I love to hear stories. I like telling stories, but I think I'd rather listen to somebody else tell stories. I just love stories. I want to start with this story this morning. There's this guy who moves into a town. It's not like a huge town. It's a, it's a fairly small town, and he's from somewhere else. Nobody knows him, and he doesn't know anybody there. And he shows up in this town, and, you know, he rents a house, and he starts attending one of the local churches there. And he immediately just starts to really get involved with this community. He's volunteering at the church. He's going and asking people, what can I do? You know, oh, well, you know, every other Friday we do a soup kitchen for whoever needs some food. You come help them. Oh, yes, absolutely. So he comes and starts volunteering. And he finds out that they need some help with the youth, the, the boys' uh, sports that they're doing there at the church, you know, the youth stuff that they're doing. They need some help. So he volunteers and starts going and helping with that. He gets involved with, like, the local Boy Scouts. He finds out that the, the local rec league, the city rec league, uses some volunteers for certain things to help with their programs. So he's volunteering to do that. He's helping out with, you know, the Rotary Club, just all these things that he can find to get involved with. He's doing these things. He's giving his time generously and even donating some money and things like that, you know, getting very involved in the community. And before long, people are really noticing this guy. And they're like, man, this guy's all right. You know, he's, this is a cool guy. Somebody says, you know, that, that guy that just moved in here on Bill that moved in. Yeah. Said, you know, Miss Mary over here on Elm Street, she's been having a hard time at, since her husband passed away. You know, he's been going over there and cutting her grass. Are you serious? Yeah, like once a week or every other week or so. He goes over there because he found out her husband's passed away and she's an elderly lady, doesn't have a whole lot of money. He's been cutting her grass for her. Man, that is too cool. You know, I heard he 
just volunteering over here at the church and helping out with things? Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. So, you know, you know how these things go, especially in smaller towns. People are just impressed with this guy. And he's doing all these nice, wonderful things. Nobody has a bad word to say about this guy. You know, he's just a really, really solid kind of fellow and just the kind of fellow you'd want in your community. You know, people start to realize if we need some help with something, we can go ask him, man. He'll pitch in and he'll help. We need, if we're trying to raise some money, make sure you go ask him because he's going to donate, you know, that kind of thing. So one day, one of the men in the town is talking with, with Bill, you know, and they're just chatting away. He says, by the way, Bill, I wondered, what do you do for a living? I've never heard of your job. He said, well, I don't, I don't have a job. I don't, I don't have to work anymore. Um, it's kind of a crazy story, but some years back, I had just gotten divorced. And I, I'm sorry, it, his wife had passed away, and it was a tragic accident. She was killed in a car accident. And uh, he said, I wound up with a pretty large life insurance settlement and just devastated. It took me a while to just get past all of that. He said, but then I found myself, you know, a single guy again. And I had, for me, a fair amount of money, kind of money I'd never had before. And I didn't know what to do with it. And it just so happens, I got to talk with this guy. And he was telling me he was part of this investing group. It's a smirk, pretty small group of people, just some local businessmen that just want to be able to pool their resources and invest in some things and hopefully make a good return on their money. And they asked me if I would be interested. They were looking for two more people. They wanted to keep this group really small. They were looking for two more people and they were going to give me the opportunity. So I went and sat down with them and talked and found out all the details and found out what they were wanting to invest in. I had this money and I said, well, why not? I'll give it a shot. So I joined with this group and they got their other member and we invested, and man, the investors just took off. It did great. These other guys in this group, some of them were like bankers or businessmen. They had been doing stuff like this for a long time. They really knew their stuff. I was just lucky, you know, just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And he said, we kept investing, kept doing these things, and the investment was just growing and growing. He said, before long, I was able to quit my job. I don't have to worry about money. My investments just keep growing. I, I just keep doing well no matter what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm trying to spend my time in a good way and, and help people out and things like that. Man, that's, that's really cool of you to do that. I said, um, I got a little bit of money. Could I invest in your group? He said, well, we're, they're not taking any more members. They, they locked it down when we got the, whatever it was, 10 people, you know, in the group. They're not accepting any more members. So I said, well, give you some money to invest? He said, yeah, I guess there's no rule against that. If you really wanted to, I said, yeah, I got, I got some money. I would love to see, you know, my money grow. It sounds like a really good thing you got going here. So he said, well, all right. You want to do that? Sure, sure. So the guy gives him some money. And before long, somebody else hears about it. You know. Hey, Bill, I heard Tom over here was able to get in on a real good thing with you in this investment program. Yeah, now, you know, that was just me and Tom, and, and you know, we can't take new members. I know, I know, I know, but if you can let Tom invest, you can let me invest, right? Okay, okay, sure. So this guy goes, well, four long words getting around, you know, you can imagine. And people start coming up to him, hey, I want to invest some money with you. He said, all right, man, you know, it's, 
we're doing really good. The, the investments just keep growing and growing. It's doing great. If you guys want to invest, go ahead. And so before long, a bunch of people in the town have invested their money with Bill. You might see where this story's kind of going, but one day somebody says, hey, I hadn't seen Bill in a few days. <laughs> Reckon what wonderful work he's off doing somewhere, you know? And somebody else said, I hadn't seen Bill in a few days, come to think of it. Reckon where he's at. Well, I'll call him. No answer. Let me call Mark. Hey, Mark, have you talked to Bill lately? No, I haven't talked to Bill in a while. I'll give him a call. Well, I just tried to call him, and I can't get an answer. Well, I'm sure something happened, you know, and he had to go out of town. I'm sure it's nothing. I, I wouldn't worry about it. But, of course, they're starting to worry about it. And so these people that know they've invested, they start talking to one another. Have you, have you talked to Bill? Have you heard anything? Somebody said, hey, hadn't he started dating that, that girl, Shelly, over there? Hadn't they been dating? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Let's go talk to Shelly. So they go talk to Shelly. Hey, Shelly, where's Bill? She said, well, uh, he told me that he had a, a relative, like an aunt or something in another state that got really sick and he had to leave and go see her and he'd be gone for maybe a week or so. Well, have you talked with him since he's been gone? No. In fact, I tried to call him a couple of times, and I haven't been able to get an answer. Another week goes by. Nobody's heard from Bill. And now people are getting worried, and they start looking. They're trying to figure out who this guy is and where he's gone. Nobody knows anything about any family. They've heard these stories of places he's been, but there's no connection. They start talking to this girl that he's been seeing, Shelly. She's like, well, all I know is he told me he's from here and he did this and that. And I hate to tell you guys this. I feel bad about it, but he, he borrowed some money from me before he left. And they're like, oh, no. No. They get in touch with the person that owned the house that he'd been renting and find out he hadn't paid rent in like two or three months. You know, And nobody can find Bill. Bill's gone, right? And of course, the money is gone, right? Now, I made this story up, but we've heard plenty of real stories like this. You know, I've, I've watched plenty of things like this and these crime shows and read about them and things like this where guys do just exactly this kind of thing. And we call those people con men, con artists, right? And they come in and they do their best to make you think they're the most awesome, honest, upright, virtuous, righteous person that you have ever met. Mm -hmm. And then they get your money, and they're gone. Now, the interesting thing when I think about these kind of stories is the testimony of the people in that town, right? Because it was, this guy's awesome. This guy's a nice guy. This guy does all kind of good things. He volunteers. He does all kinds. He's, he's like the model citizen for our town. But then two weeks later, that guy's a rascal. Man, he is no good. He is sorry. And when they realize what has happened, and when they realize he has fooled them all and run off with their money, now they're mad, right? And nobody has anything good to say about Bill anymore, <laughs> right? Nobody says, that rascal took all my money. But he sure was nice to cut that lady's grass, you know? He didn't cut her grass because he cared about her. He was trying to fool everybody. Everything he did, he was running a game, right? It's all deceit. 
It's all deception, all those good things that he did. And that's the way he's remembered, right? He's not remembered as a guy that had one serious flaw. But other than that, he was a really good guy. That's not the way they remember. That's not their testimony. He was a scoundrel from the word go. Every word that came out of his mouth was a lie. Everything he did was just part of a big lie. He was trying to run a game and fool people. And he did it. He got away with it, right? So the reason I start like I did is because uh, Sunday before last, Pastor Ron was speaking. And in his message, he kind of mentioned something that I thought I would kind of springboard off of. He said that it's impossible, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember his exact words, but he said it's impossible for a person who is not a Christian, who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to do good works. Now, I think that's a huge, huge statement. And, and there was a time in my life when I would have said, baloney, it's crazy. Of course you can do good works. In fact, I used to have this idea, I used to think about, I've always liked to think about these weird things for whatever reason. But I used to think about, this is before becoming a Christian, I used to think about, you know, what is good and what is bad, or what is good, what is sin, where's, where's kind of the line? And I, I thought, you know, there must be three categories, you know. There must be like sin or bad or wrong, and then there must be good or righteous or virtuous, and then there must be like a neutral in the middle, you know, because I thought about things like, well, all right, if I steal something, clearly that's a sin and that's bad. And that goes over here in this category. But if I go do something helpful for somebody that's in need, then that clearly that's good. And I put that over here in the middle. But what if I just like go for a walk in the park? That's not wrong. There's nothing particularly good about it. So that must go in this middle neutral category. That was the way I kind of reasoned it and thought about that. That's baloney. But that was the way I thought. But I thought, lost people do good stuff all the time. I mean, you don't have to look very far. Pick up a newspaper. There will be some story about I just watched a part of a video the other day, really crazy thing, intense thing, where this person had had some kind of wreck and they're trapped in their car, and the car is starting to catch on fire. This is a real video. And there were several people that had seen it and had stopped and run over there and were working feverishly to try and get this person out of the car. Um, and apparently they did. I didn't see the whole clip, but I, I understood it had a happy ending. Um, but I'm thinking, man, this, these guys are risking their life to help get this person out of this car. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so glad they were there. I'm so glad they could do that. Surely that's good work, right? Whether they're Christians or not. Well, I don't think so. And hear me out. And I'm certainly not saying how sinful they should never have done that. Certainly not what I'm saying. Okay. But I think the crux of, of what I want to get to today is kind of encapsulated in one little, little sentence that Jesus said one time. This comes from John 7. 18, and he's dealing with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or whoever it was again. It's going back and forth with them as, as they often did. But he, there's this little statement stuffed in there. He says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. 
And Jesus was saying, that's not me. I don't speak on my own authority. I, I speak what the Father gave me to speak. Amen. And so I'm speaking to his glory. And Pastor Ron mentioned this in his message. He didn't dwell on it a long time. But I think the issue and the problem is who are we glorifying with those things that we do? So just like the con man that moved into that town, he did lots of good works. Everybody said so. Everybody agreed. This guy's doing good stuff, man. He's done this and this and this. Those are all good things. Until they found out who he really was. Then those good things weren't good things anymore. Those good things were part of a lie. Because he was seeking his glory. He wanted people to look at him and say, that's an awesome guy. That's a good guy. That's a guy we can trust. That's the kind of guy we want to be around. That's the kind of guy we want living in our community. That's what he wanted. And, and he got it. And that led to the, the very bad ending to that situation. Well, it dawned on me, I was kind of wrestling with this after becoming a Christian. And I was thinking, you know, um, I, it may have come from reading some stuff about Calvinism or something. I, I've, I've studied all kind of different stuff through the years. One of the first tenets of Calvinism is what is often referred to as the total depravity of man. And what it means basically is what I've just alluded to, that apart from God, it's not possible for you or I to do anything actually good. To do good, we have to do something godly. He's the one that defines good. He is good. So imitating God or, or doing things within God's will, things that please God, things that line up with God's word, those are good things. And even though it might look like we're doing things that line up with God's word, if we're not doing it for God, it's not good. It's not good. The scripture says, whatever is not from faith is sin. Not neutral, like me, you know. It's not, it doesn't go in the neutral category. It's sin. It's kind of stark and kind of harsh, but that's what the scripture says. So it dawned on me one day as I'm kind of wrestling with these things and wondering, how can it be? Because I know when I wasn't a Christian, I really, I did a lot of stuff that I think was good stuff. It seems like the scripture is saying that it couldn't have been good. How, how could it be? And it dawned on me one day. I was that con man. That was me in that story. But I wasn't after people's money. I wasn't trying to deceive people and make them think that I was honest so that they would give me their money and I could run off with it. You know, I just wanted people to look at me and say, that's a good guy right there. That's what I wanted. For God's glory? <laughs> no, for my glory, right? So I did good things, good things, so that people would look at me and say, that's a good guy. And I did it apart from Christ. What I was saying with my life is, God's a lie. God says, you have to have him to do good works. You don't need God. Look at me. 
I'm doing it apart from God, right? I was that con man. Listen to this scripture, man, after, you know, really kind of coming to terms with some of these things, some of these scriptures I guess just really hammered home to me. You've all heard this. You're all familiar with it. I'm going to probably read the entire passage here. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Um, and this is, of course, Paul talking to Timothy, but he's talking about people. He, he's, you get the feeling he's really talking about people that try to get in the church and they're really not saved and they're really not trying to do godly works, but whatever, whatever the, the details are. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. You think we've gotten there yet? People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men. Now, I'll tell you, I go through and I read that long list of those bad attributes, and I have to go, check, 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 check. That was me. But the most interesting part to me is that here at the end where it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power how can a person who is a lover of self a lover of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanders without self-control how can that person have an appearance of godliness that doesn't seem to really make any sense right well the way you do that is the way i did that you con people and the first con we, we often make in these situations, the first person we typically con is ourselves. I lied to myself first and foremost. I said, you're really a good guy. You, you, you're doing all right. You've got everything together. You're okay. And I was happy to believe my lie. I wanted to believe that I was a good person, so I was an easy one to lie to. I conned myself, and then I began around me. See, that's what kind of allowed me to con people because I didn't want to, I didn't have this like desire to go con people and lie to people and deceive people. I really wanted to be this wonderful person that I considered myself to be. But in order to convince people that I was that, I had to deceive them. I had to lie. But you know, I think most people that knew me before I met Christ, would have said, I'm a good person. I did lots of good stuff. I didn't steal. I was basically honest. I mean, I might lie to a policeman. 
You know. If it was really important, you know, I might lie. But for the most part, you know, pretty honest guy, right? How is it that a guy that fit all those descriptions could be considered a good person? That sounds really strange, right? To, to, to say, yeah, you can be arrogant and conceited and boastful and, you know, disobedient to parent, all that stuff, but have the appearance of godliness. But listen to what Paul says. I think he answers this directly. Now, again, he wasn't exactly talking about this, but I think it's very applicable. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15 says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. There's your answer. There's your answer. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, you know, and God visited him and blinded him and Jesus spoke to him, you know, you, you know the story where he was converted. And Jesus is speaking to Paul. And I'm just going to pick up here in, in uh, this is Acts 26. I'm going to pick up with verse 17. He says, Jesus talking to Paul, says, I'm delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles. That's an interesting statement. Again. I'm delivering you from your people, that was the Jews, and from the Gentiles. And by the way, I think that just includes everybody in the entire earth, right? There's the Gentiles, there's the Christians, and then there's the Gentiles. So there's the Jews and there's then the Gentiles. That, that included everybody. I'm delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, Amen. that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, there's a lot in here, but one of the things that really hits me, this is Jesus talking here. And he says, you're going to deliver them from the power of Satan to God. He seems to be saying right now, they're under the power of Satan. So they disguise themselves as workers of righteousness, just like they're in one place. He refers to, to Satan as being certain people's father, just like their father. They look at Satan and say, hey, that's what I need to do. And they disguise themselves as workers of righteousness. It's hard to kind of come to terms with that. And, you know, I'm just so thankful. My, my testimony is about the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, the mercy that God has shown me. It's just incredible. I have no explanation for it. I certainly never did anything to deserve it or to earn it or anything like that, which is so cool about God's mercy and grace. We, we can't earn it, and we don't earn it. It's a gift gives it to us. I don't know why he decides to give it to the ones that he does. I don't know. I don't, I don't know all that. But I know he showed his mercy to me. And I'm eternally grateful for the mercy of Jesus Christ in my life. There was a, there was a movie some years back and, and there's a popular kind of statement in the movie. So dark, the con of man. And I thought, man. Yeah. <laughs> so dark. Con of man, you know, you 
you con yourself, and then you set out to con everybody else, you know. I was a deceiver. I was a lover of pleasure, but not of God. Having an appearance of godliness, but denying his power. Feigning to be a servant of righteousness in an effort to seek my own glory, glory that rightfully belonged to God. So I was a thief. I'm stealing God's glory just as quickly as I could. You know? Now, in the story I began with, you know, the wages of falling for the deception of that con man are pretty steep. It was like your bank account. That's what it cost you, right? Your savings, your maybe some of your 401k or something like that. But think about what were the wages for people to fall for my con? And this is something that I, I still wrestle with, I still pray about a lot, still think about a lot, because I didn't get anybody's money. But if they fell for my con and they followed me and my example, what wages are? know that there are people that I influenced and all of us would have to say you know we've influenced people around us and I think of how hard I worked although this wasn't my mindset how hard I worked to prove that you didn't need no God you didn't need no Jesus you didn't need no Savior to be a good person and live a good life and I wonder how many people saw that in me and that was kind of their takeaway from knowing me and maybe having me as a friend or a companion or just, just knowing who I was in the community and that kind of thing. Man, that's a lot worse than losing your bank account, right? So, now, I, you know, I don't say that to heap any kind of guilt on anybody or even on me. It's just kind of the way it works, right? Apart from Christ, we, we're just so lost. We have no idea, you know? We just have no idea we're in this in this position, in this nature of sin, and it's kind of all we know, you know. But thank God, thank God that he reveals his truth to us. And some of us, he just pours his grace on and his mercy on, and he opens their eyes and says, here, you need to see who you really are. You need to see the direction you're going. You need to see what you've been doing, and you need to see the compassion and mercy of Jesus Christ in turn. The scripture says repent. That's what we have to do. Repent. Repent is much more than just saying I'm sorry. Yes, maybe it begins there, but it's not just a matter of apologizing. To repent means to turn. To say that sin, I'm leaving that. I'm going this way. I don't want that anymore. I'm turning away from that. That's what to, to truly repent means. And my testimony is it's impossible apart from Jesus that we have to have the Lord to do a miraculous work in our heart to change us. You know, I've heard it said, and I'm sure you have too, that man is mostly good. I heard a very famous preacher one day say that. I believe men are mostly good. People are mostly good. Here's a statement that I love from a, a, a poem. It's called The Modern Thinker's Creed. A guy named Steve Turner wrote this, and it's uh, you know, he's, he's just 
prodding us and poking fun at us and that kind of thing. There's one little statement in there. The whole thing's awesome, but there's one little statement in there. It says, we believe that man is essentially good. It's only his behavior that lets him down. <laughs> How true is that? You know? How true is that? Yeah, but my heart was in the right place. You know? <laughs> or like, like, like we've said before, God knows my heart. <laughs> but I don't want you to take my word for it. So let's listen to what Jesus said about it. Jesus gave a very direct answer to this kind of question we're talking about this morning. I'm, I'm taking this from Mark. Uh, 10 chapter 18 I think the same statement is in Luke and Jesus said to him he was talking to Nicodemus why do you call me good no one is good except God alone Amen. that just kind of answers the whole thing right Amen. Jesus Christ said that Amen. you know this is why you and I and I'm trusting all you guys already <laughs> already there but this is why we as human beings we got to be changed we have to be transformed. We got to be born again and made new. It's not just a, a matter of calling ourselves Christians or calling ourselves believers or, or praying a prayer one time or something like that. God's got to do something in us, you know. He's got to change us and transform us and turn us into new creation. Here's what Galatians 6.15 says. Paul again, he says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation doesn't matter about the the things we've gone through the ritual things or any of that kind of stuff that's not it it's about being a new creation second corinthians 5 16 through 17 says from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here's Jesus in John 3, 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, again talking to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. And here's one that I love. This is from John, first chapter of John. I'm going to read from verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, John's talking about how Jesus came to his own people and they didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That means if you're a Christian today, you didn't do that. God did that. God did that. So I want to leave you guys with, uh, I know a lot of this is pretty heavy, and I, I tend to be that way sometimes, but I want to leave y'all on a, on a good note. So I believe every one of us in here today is a Christian. I, I certainly hope that that's true. If you're not, please do something about it. I hope that everybody that's listening online, I hope that they're a Christian. I hope that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I hope they understand when I say you've got to be changed, you've got to be born again, you've got to be made new. I hope they understand exactly what I'm talking about and they've experienced that. But if not, do something about it. Please do something about it. But for us who, who know Jesus and who are Christians, I want to leave us with some encouragement. I used to kind of reason that, you know, when you get saved, that's kind of, you just you get saved and then you just wait to die. You know, 
one day you'll die and you'll go to heaven, you know, but that's kind of it. But Pastor Ron has been talking with us about that, right? We have stuff to do. We have stuff to do. God has works for us to do. Now that we're converted, now that we're born again, now that we're new creatures in Christ, we can actually do good works. How cool is that? We need to do the good works. But sometimes I know that can be kind of daunting too. Like, what do I do? You know, how do, how do I do that? You know. So I want to I want to leave you with something from Second Peter. This is from chapter one, five through eight. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, that's just talking about us with ourselves, right, and with our, with our brothers and sisters. All right. This is just stuff that we can all do. We can all start doing. We can do it on our own, right? With just us and the Holy Spirit and the Scripture, we can work on these things, right? Well, what's so cool about that is that the next verse says, For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're saying, I just don't know what, I should, what works, what should I do? Well, start right here. Just sit down with Second Peter chapter 1 and start going through these things and saying, okay, well, how can I do this? I need to supplement my faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. These are all things we can all work on, right? Self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How cool is that? And it's not too difficult, I think, right? Only we got to have Jesus to do it. It's impossible without him, but he will make a way. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, let's, let's pray over this briefly and, uh, and we'll close out. Heavenly Father. I just pray that uh, you would take the word that's been spoken today, Father, and, and anything that, that was not of you, anything that was not in line with your word, Father, just uh, I ask that you would help people to just throw it away and ignore it and, and do without it. And anything that was good, anything that was right and true and in accord with your word, I ask that you would seal it in our hearts, Father, and help us to be the people that you called us to be, Father, in Jesus' name. Altar's open if anybody uh, is, is in need of that. And we're going to do another song and then we'll close out.